0: Horror-horror-horror-movie?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? Oh, I, wonder, I wonder what will would be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess.
0: We're a long way for God knows, son.
1: Slowly Coming wh- out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his that's mouth, his cool. skin. No.
0: So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die. And he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence can we
1: try take two again yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all i'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions but
1: thanks for your correspondence (laughs) jay
0: my boy my boy welcome to let's make a horror movie
1: hello everyone
0: hello thanks for the uh thanks for the intro yeah. John I
1: mean, was that your friend? Yeah, that was my uncle actually. Your yeah, uncle? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was um Uncle Gareth.
0: Uncle Gareth. Great. Yeah, yeah. Great well lovely old gent. Lovely to see Uncle Gareth up in the booth there with yeah. Tony. Thanks for the intro. And he's, yeah, he's fair absolutely spent a bit of money on him. He's mm-hmm. absolutely right. This is Let's Make a Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> with myself, Dave, and And me, John. This is the Fortnite he- League. Yep horror movie podcast where normally one of us writes a pitch and pitches it to the other one for a horror movie that doesn't exist that they would like to see the other one feeds back in the episode then we put it out to the yep. audience you guys all write in with your amazing ideas then we finish off the idea the next episode and everyone gets incredibly wealthy and well known oh like yeah we all make buckets we loads. make well, oh man we, yeah we make some serious stunts though yeah we make bank yeah we, we make bank. bank on this um, and it's week
1: 29 it's my, my week <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's john's week and i think we'd saved up robocop 5 for this yeah week, oh, no know.
1: i've actually written j-dubs is sandra Sooner Buffins boffins too <laughs> it's um oh it goes some places
0: yeah so for new listeners normally what happens in this podcast is we have four acts yeah first act we get feedback on the last week as i just described second act we do a bit of cultural banter mm-hmm. that john and i read seen touched tasted heard felt I think that's all the senses i think it's
1: all of them yeah i mean been aware of was that five? and that's that, that apparently there's more than five senses some of them are like temperature and stuff so.
0: oh i can't get into all that now that's that's complex <laughs> anyway act three is yeah. the pitch so that's...
1: apparently uh, knowing where your own limbs are is also a sense
0: well gonna i, put out I think they need to come up with a snappier title for that limb <laughs> limb awareness limb knowledge
1: yeah limb knowledge yeah. Lim- limbness
0: is good. Limbness, yeah. What's his limbness percentage? Ah, uh, it's about 75. Yeah. He's about always- 75% <laughs> limbness.
1: <laughs> he, can, <laughs> he can do both arms and a leg. Do you have a leg? No idea. No
0: idea where that is. <laughs> ghost limb. Ghost limb syndrome. It is actually still there. He just, yeah. He's just not aware of but it he's always all. hopping. He doesn't even need Classic to. Classic limbless. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, the third act normally is the pitch so yep. that's the sort of meaty lovely tasty part where yeah, everyone yeah. gets very excited and, and netflix are yeah. on the phone we're, we're fucking hanging up the yeah. phone it's
1: a, it's a real heady broth god
0: yeah i have to i have to turn off my mobile because i keep getting so many calls yeah. uh, for producers and so i'm just <laughs> just trying to get hold stephen of stephen
1: king's purity taking <laughs> notes as per usual
0: um and then the fourth act is yeah. uh, a bit more of basically yeah. everything you've just heard but but yeah. stupider but this is a bit of a different episode, John. Is it? <laughs> it is once more. <laughs> How
1: so? Well, I mean, I've got a pitch here all ready to go, mate. Locked yeah, and loaded. What was it called? This one. Um, Sandra Surinaboffins. Oh, it two. was Sandra Surinaboffins. Yeah, yeah. Two. I mean, because if you remember last time, I do. I had Robocop Five, mm. and we couldn't do it because of some something. Something a
0: while, happened, and I binned it. Yeah,
1: but this one, I spent ages on this one, mate. Well, I can't wait for it.
0: I mean, I hate to be the bearer of questionable news because i yeah. don't think that this is not bad news okay go well, any way you spin this this yeah. is good news um Fire away. just not so much for you this okay week. instead of doing our normal podcast okay we're going one better Ooh. we've had the good fortune <laughs> yeah of meeting and interviewing sir dominic brunt
1: oh was that being taped <laughs> <laughs> what, from a few weeks ago
0: yeah i i tend to record everything i do wow. wherever i go
1: oh, do you know what um, i was thinking after we did that Someone should else should hear this. This is brilliant.
0: This big thing I carry around on my shoulder looks much like a video camera. Yeah. That also does audio.
1: I wouldn't add an new phone, mate.
0: I pass it off as just a sort of affectation of yeah. my character. <laughs> I do. But um alongside the top yeah. hat, the pink feather. Sword and cane. The sword cane. And then a
1: huge contraption. I fucking won't go
0: anywhere without the sword cane, oh, John. God, I'll be honest God, with you. Especially now, you can't it's too dangerous it nowadays. Really you just yeah. sword cane is, is definitely the way forward.
1: Every gentleman should have one and every gentlewoman should as well. <laughs>
0: Anyway, getting slightly <laughs> off topic, we interviewed Sir Dominic Brunt. Obviously, I am giving him uh, his knighthood. Uh, is what is due. I'm anticipating the Queen's whim. Yep. I think by always so are. it's not really it's not inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, it's just not yet come to pass.
1: Yes, honestly, he is one of the stalwarts of the British horror scene. He I'm really going to
0: go with uh, British horror renaissance man. Does that? Yeah, does I that don't. work? Yeah, because uh, Dominic Brunt, for those who don't know, is. Not only an actor um, and a producer. Yeah, he's Paddy um, on
1: um, Emmerdale.
0: Paddy on Emmerdale for twenty-three odd years, I yeah, think, Yeah, uh, which terrible. is a long fucking time. Yeah. He's one half of Mitchell Brunt Productions. Yeah,
1: made some amazing films.
0: And he's directed three movies that we discussed with him today. Yep. If you will. Yeah. Just come along on this magical ride today. With us. It, it's, wink. Dominic Brunt movies that you need mm-hmm. to watch before you... I mean, you look, you can listen to the interview yep. and you'll get a load out of it because he's, he's a wonderful guest and obviously is. We're, we're charming as all hell. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you've got the scope, you need to go and watch Before Dawn.
1: Mm-hmm. Available on Amazon Video.
0: It is available on Prime, Amazon Video 2013. Uh-huh. Bait, 2014.
1: Also on Amazon Video.
0: Also available on Amazon. I would actually... I think Bait is genuinely a, a British horror masterpiece. Yeah. I think definitely. the the story that he tells in it is is fairly universal, mm. but the film is t- it, it, but it's couched in such British sensibilities yeah. and so so uniquely British in the way it's told and framed. Yeah. There's none better that I've seen yet.
1: I would uh, completely agree. Everyone who's watched it at my behest has absolutely loved it. It's definitely horror in its content, but it's quite an accessible setup. There yeah. isn't any supernatural stuff. There's no sort of like monsters in the old-fashioned sense but it's yeah it's, it's it's fantastic piece of work
0: yeah word of warning though because you know obviously we are open to uh sort of non-horror aficionados yes. too so if you're a non-horror aficionado bait is quite it can be quite grueling it goes full-on yeah it's quite grueling but it's fucking brilliant yeah uh, and also 2017's attack of the adult babies
1: also very good um yeah very well
0: also available on amazon prime but i don't know if it <laughs> it's is. not
1: it's not is but it not? yeah yeah really really fun movie Leads into more of a kind of farcical, yes. Sort of vocal. goes more surreal, I yeah. Suppose. Definitely, uh, yeah.
0: but yeah, a trio of wonderful films, and frankly, a body of wonderful work alongside them. So yeah.
1: and a wonderful body.
0: <laughs> not only did we have the pleasure of interviewing Dominic Brunt but mm-hmm. also it was on Horror Christmas Morning. It was FrightFest twenty twenty, mm-hmm. the digital version um, at the end of August. We interviewed Dominic on the Saturday morning right before we watched The Columnist. We should get into the interview. We really
1: shouldn't. Have. They're probably thinking, is this it? And do we ever allow Don to speak? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he's been here the whole
0: time. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's been here the whole time in, with Tony in the booth and yeah, this Gareth- is all his intro. Oh, fuck was it Gareth? I need to check.
1: Um yes, Gareth. And um how's Crowdev? Oh we'll get into that later. We'll
0: then. get into that later. Yeah. So get involved. Here comes our chat with Dominic. Enjoy. Yeah, enjoy it, everyone. Tony, do you want to queue up the little Yeah. Oh. Alright. Let's do it, Tony. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we're joined by the fantastic director, actor, producer and one half of Mitchell Brunt films, Dominic Brunt, director and indeed producer of such gems as Before Dawn and Bait, and director of Attack of the Adult Babies, as well as producer of the short film show and Inbred, amongst many others. And on top of all that, he's probably one of the best known faces on British TV, having played Paddy Kirk on Emmerdale since 97 welcome dominic thank you so much for generously giving us your time today on this horror christmas morning
2: yeah oh thank you very much thanks for a kind intro thank you
0: oh <laughs> not at all we're absolutely delighted to have you on the yeah. show kicking off then how uh, how's lockdown been treating you
2: it's been all right it's been weird but then um, strangely so we got i managed i wrote a film during lockdown and. Uh, along with other things and i've tried to i've tried lots of times to get things off the ground and i've got a script that i've been hawking around for years and nobody seems to want it and then this one that i wrote kind of in two weeks i just the idea came to me then i've got the the funding for it almost immediately so that's been done in september under weird circumstances because of the covid thing so um the accommodation has been trouble because we've got to keep everybody apart we've got to get a medic on set we've got to get a cohort manager to keep everybody two meters apart I've got to do the camera shots with everybody apart. We've got to create bubbles within the people that are working together. So it's an absolute pain in the arse. And uh, and it's stretched the budget as well, because you've got to have all these extra people on set. And you can't just hire two big houses on Airbnb and get everybody in them. Everybody's got to stay separately. So, it's, yeah, it's trouble. But um, but we're going to do it anyway. So have you
0: found that it's been a good, t- in a, in a weird way, a kind of good time for thinking about your next project, you know, has it been a, a productive time in that sense? I think
2: so, yeah, because it's been a lot of time. Yeah, it has, because everything seems to get into the, in the way. And, and I'm doing a diploma at the moment as well. And that kind of, I've finished my second year of that. And then I don't start again till October. And then lockdown was there as well. So it seemed to be this two and a half month gap where I could actually get things going and little ideas that I'd had on jotted down in the folder that I could actually Make them, you know, instead of talking about them, as as people do. I mean, I know so many directors that keep saying, I'm gonna make that short film. And you say, You've been saying that for 15 years, <laughs> and the, you know. Digital has been invented, and you can rent a camera for 20 quid over the weekend, you know, you're never gonna make it. So, I feel like that sometimes. I, I, I talk and don't do quite a lot, you know. Well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, that is our entire podcast, Dominic, to be
1: fair.
0: Um, it, it, it really <laughs>
1: awful lot of talking, should
0: be probably called talk and don't do, in fairness. Um <laughs> But uh, but there you go. I think I might be right on this, but but hopefully you can correct me. Am I right in thinking that you have a sort of a cadence of maybe two every two or three years you get enough scope, enough space to be able to do one of these projects? Is that is that kind of roughly how it works alongside Emmerdale commitments and stuff? I think
2: so, I, I, yeah, because I don't want to do it by halves and I don't want to just... Emmerdale is, is quite all-encompassing because of the storyline learning the lines and the, the you, you're there for five to six days a week 12 hours a day and then it takes me an hour to get there and an hour to get back so it's like 14 hours of my day most of the days of the week and i have a family and joe so it's um yeah it, it always seems to take a, a long time it takes about a year to get the money together and then a year to produce and get everybody together then book the date and then make the thing and then to, to um the post-production as well and getting all that sorted out and then I'm exhausted after that. <laughs> and, then put, and then I take Emmerdale on again. And then uh, So it just seemed to be that way, yeah. But I think most of the time, really, in reality, it's trying to chase the money, you know, and trying yeah. not to make a film for £5,000, because that's all you can get hold of, you know. So um, And then sometimes, I, what I've experienced as well in the past few years is things collapsing at the last minute have been heartbreaking as well. So um, I got taken on by the people that made Jumanji, and it, it after Bait, weirdly, Ted Field took me on to, to make a film called Incantation that never got made. But I took five months off Emmerdale to do this. And it was all these doors opened. And uh, and then the, it was going to be filmed in Puerto Rico. I had six million pounds. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the American Directors Guild of America and all this. And, and then it just, it just collapsed. It just collapsed. And all these doors that I saw opening just slammed again. And that was it. And that upset me. That was really, that was quite like something to, to kind of get over, really. And that's how Attack of the Adult Babies got made as well, because I had all this spare time and I was sulking. And then I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to a party. I spent a lot of time sulking. And then I went to a party. The producer was there and said, why didn't you make that film called Attack of the Adult Babies? And I said, well, I would have done it. If, America, if I knew America was going to collapse sooner, I might have got on with that. And he said, oh, I can get you the budget now. I'll sell that on the title alone. So I was like, all oh, right, okay. And he said, there is a script, isn't there? And I said, of course there's a script. Are you insane? Of course there's a script. <laughs> right, okay, and then I'll get the money. And I ran home and went to Joe, we haven't got a script. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so we had about 12 weeks to get that together. So, um, which, you know, arguably it shows.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, Yeah, it's still a pretty funny film though. It's great. Yeah, it's, well, it's... good.
2: <laughs> I'm proud that there's a film out there called Attack of the Adult Babies and it exists. Um, It's not the direction we thought we were going in with After Bates and Before Dawn that were kind of socially realistic and um, kind of allegorical and then it was very broad strokes and very, I feel like I I did it as a job being taken on as a director of something that really wasn't hours but um yeah it's certainly going in a different direction but I'm not you know I don't I, like Joel tells me off because she keeps saying you, you it sounds like you're apologizing for it but I'm not you know I am proud of it I really am but it's not what we kind of you fa- I started to find an identity within the shorts and the and the features of where we were going and certainly where we're going with the next one yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah, it's there, it's out there. And it did it, you know, it did the business. It was very good in Germany and Troma took it for America. And Taiwan yeah. loved it really. I don't know what. And I don't know why it was weird there. Cause even the sales agent said um, this film's really taken off in time. but <laughs> so, like, well, what's wrong with them?
1: <laughs> so it did all right, and
2: it got a distribution here as
0: well. So yeah, it was all right. It's okay. Yeah. Since we're talking about it, it, it feels like in some ways it, it shares some common ground with Bates. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but just in terms of the social commentary aspect, I mean, from extraordinarily different directions.
1: Yeah, but it's still kind of quite yeah. kind of like angry sort of film. Yeah, like, in a sense.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of i mean I'm a Lefty lover, you know, and and a, I have left leanings. I always have. My parents were nurses and very socialist. And then and, and once the American film collapsed as well, and I had a budget and nobody leaning over my shoulder, I was like, right, fuck it, I'm going to make this. You know, So there is a lot of anger in there, but you know, you'd you have to look for it, I think. And also, I think, I, miss, I, I think the thought that Splatter of any kind would be attractive and, and the title would be attractive and would be enough to draw a crowd um, wasn't really enough. I think people like red and they don't really like brown. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be fair, shit is a kind of underused thing in like in like
0: films for a good reason.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we were just glad you didn't do all the shit in post
2: production. You know, it was very much. Uh, it
1: was all there. hands really, on. Yeah, you could feel it really in the room.
2: This is good. Yeah, well, weirdly, it was one of the. It was one of the. It, it was just a lovely thing to work on because Bait was like pulling teeth, and we were kind of. We were under the cosh from Metrodome as well because we had their money and it was hard work and it, it, there was a fight at the end, you know, to try and get the edit that we wanted and the budget was constraining and yet they still wanted to say and and they were kind of on our side but they wanted a lot for the money. So it was it was lovely to have a, a line producer that did most of the lead work and actually to have nobody over your shoulder to do anything while you're filming it or in, during the post, so it was a really, really nice thing to work on, actually, even though there was a lot of anger. It's just that at the end of it, it was kind of like, ah, is this what people really, really want, you know?
1: Yeah, because, like, one of the things, I mean, like, with, like, Bait, it is quite a kind of heavy, very dark film. Um yeah. Some very serious scenes in that. How was it on set to sort of film some of that?
2: Well, it was quite dark. There was one... We had Vicky Smurfit in the river once, and it was, like, half past one in the morning, and she was cold, we were cold. You know, she was screaming for her life and we're yeah. kicking her head underwater and, you know, the chap that played Jeremy was, was a really, really good baddie and very convincing. Awesome. And I just thought, oh God, is this really what I want to do? You know, I'm a really, this is horrible. This is really, really horrible. But Narratively, you know, Jeremy's got to the, the baddie has got to. There's got to be a reason to kill the monster, so it was important. So by the time you got to the edit, you go, "Oh no, I'm glad I did that." But at mm-hmm. the time, you feel like sanitising it because you think, "Well, Vicky's my friend. I've known her for years. Why am I just sticking her in this water and drenching her wet through and what? doing all? You know, this is horrible." But you know, it, it came to fruition, you know, and it, it fit. It really fit well because otherwise, then I don't think you'd be on the girl's side. Then I don't think. But yeah. then again, you know, with all the special effects at the end of that, when we, we kill the monster. I always find that the, the gorier and the, the more cringe-inducing and the, the more repellent the, the special effects are, <laughs> the opposite is true for on set, where you're jumping up in the air and screaming and shouting and cheering at the monitor. He's going, that was amazing when his head caved in and all the blood came out, you know, <laughs> which is really repulsive, really. But that's horror, isn't it? That's what we love about it. That's why I do it, you know, to fit in the special effects, I suppose. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, so
0: yeah, since we're talking about Bait then, how did that kind of progression come around from, say, so from Before Dawn to Bait, the move from the zombie fantastical, if you like, although it's, you know, it's very much set around the drama of the of the couple, to Bait, which was about, you know, real life monsters. Was that an intentional thing? Or was it more just because it was a story that you wanted to tell? Or how, how did that kind of um, progression come about?
2: I think it was a, a mixture of the two. It still needed to be monsters, but it's just that the monster in Bay was not, didn't have bandages wrapped around him, or he didn't have spiky teeth. You know, he's still a monster. I remember somebody at Frightfest saying this is more of a thriller and not a horror, and I was like, I, I, I just couldn't, I, I just disagree with that because I, I filmed it as a horror, and he is a monster. You know, it's just that he hasn't got a cloak on and he doesn't fly off. You know, there's no paranormal element to it. In fact, that was one of the fights with Metrodome because they said. wanted a day reshooting because they wanted to bring in uh, an element of Faustus and an element of Robespierre from the French Revolution and saying there's got to be this change in the air so there's like a shot of a crow in a tree and a gust of wind against her and that's kind of one of the things that they won this argument about that but then I said look I had this conversation at the beginning when I gave you the script that this is about the fact that evil doesn't really exist that you can get the sun or the mirror or the red tops that say these people are evil and you go well evil doesn't really exist when you say evil you're talking about the paranormal evil is an excuse for the behavior that's gone extreme within our society you know so you've got the wrong end of the stick by saying this evil comes into the area because it hasn't this is a product of our own society and our own culture gone bad or gone rogue in some way you know and and to the extreme so it was a weird one really so although it is about a monster it's about the lack of evil and the yeah. evils that humanity uh, produces and the fact that there is no such thing as evil. And I don't believe in evil. I really don't, you know. But mm. I like using evil as a fantasy, but I don't believe any of us has evil in us in the way that the devil exists at all.
1: I completely agree. Also, I mean, because I mean, like this sort of stuff happens to real people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think making it a kind of supernatural monster in a kind of like very really like literal sense would have been a disservice to what really happens.
2: That's exactly, that was our argument, yeah. So a lot of the stuff got thrown out as well from the reshoots and and we won the argument to keep it as it was, that it it was absolutely based in real life. We did a short film for Mind years ago and we we were in Leeds filming and there was a knock on the door and the woman went to the door and gave this chap a fiver and we were all like, "Mm, drugs, you know. So, And she said, no, it's, it's the debt collector I borrowed £100 five years ago. And we said, oh my God, so you have to pay him £5 every week? And she said, yeah. And we said, for how long for? And she said, I don't know. I have no idea. He just comes to the door every whenever day it is. And I give him this fiber and I was like, geez, this really is, it's there. It's out there, you know. It's
1: really, really grim stuff.
2: Um, yeah, oh, very much so, yeah.
0: Interestingly then, so I think at the end of the credits, actually, you use, I believe it's the Lee, Har- it Lee Hardcastle's animation, yeah, yeah to kill, is it, are we killing Psy in that
2: final scene? Is that how? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, really, he, he definitely does die in that scene. But it was like, um, we didn't want to put it in the main bit and because you know, the main monster is that. And like, there's a Roger Corman thing that he says, as soon as the monster's dead, end your film. Yeah. You know, so we had a little prologue in the shop to show what happened to the money to tie all the, the, the dead ends up. But then you think, oh yeah, what about Cy? You know, does he just... And then, so it just shows that... It, we wanted to show that he really wasn't the malignant side. He, he was really a family man and he was very mercenary in what he did, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. which I think yeah. it happens a lot. Uh, he's an employee really but then you know he's got to get his, his comeuppance and also i shared an office with lee lee's a friend and uh i just wanted to get one of his animations at the end selfishly you know yeah. <laughs> well it's great and
0: i guess you used them again for attack of the adult maybe yeah. in that sort of final scenes it was cheaper actually than filming that in
2: real life you know it was, it was <laughs> uh, it's, there's only so far a, a budget will go when you've got a 35 foot monster in a cellar and a, and a Bunch of adult babies to kill and that you know so yeah. Well, oh, let's jump this shark, we can leave. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that was going to be my exact question. You know
0: what? What was it that drove that? Yeah, you've t- totally answered it. You know, you have a huge monster and budget constraints and all that shit's not going to be cheap. To be fair, yeah. So
1: that shit has to feel real. As long as as long as you land the shit, you can you can you can play with the rest.
2: I think there's three different consistencies actually. There was the nappy. Um... <laughs> <I know it. laughs> and then the stuff in the um and then the stuff in in the cannon which is great and i didn't have much to do with that i was they just kept showing me this stuff and saying do you want that thicker or watery or, or do you want more bits in it and, and all things like that so and then when the backsides blow out and that they were like right well we've got the consistency right for the splats against there but this chap's guts have got to fly out as well so they were tucking in like rubber guts and all that I And mean, it was hilarious to do it's amazing and also we had this building it's flats now but it was a beautiful old red building and they kept saying well, you know, you can do what you want in this big hall. So we were like, oh my God, right, well, we will. And it was a blind institute. And uh, so we threw all this stuff against the wall. And the chap said, you can do what you want, and, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be changed. But then he came in the room after the day's film and he just went, oh, what have you done? So that was hilarious. And he said, well, what have you said? You said, and he was like, I didn't smoke this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um Fantastic. Well, so, you know, we should ask you about Mitchell Brunt's productions as well. I I, I wanted to touch on that a bit. What sort of was the spark that drove that in the
2: beginnings of that company? Well, it was just, it was the idea for, because I ran the Leeds zombie film festival and I kept watching films that we could show there. And and Jo, my wife, knew that I liked zombie films and she wasn't a massive fan. She likes horror a lot, but she just thinks zombie films are dumb. And so uh, so we had this row about, you know, what what would you do differently? And she said, well, they're missing the character, they're missing this, that. And they, what if me and you, the, if there was a zombie film between me and you? And we're very different people. She's from the south, I'm from the north. She's posh, I'm a runt, you know, and <laughs> she's female, I'm male, all that, you know. So yeah. so we just used anything to do with that, any of our differences, and um, and kind of built it from there. And then we added the, the gory bits and all that. So I, I got my side of it thrown in and Joe got her side of it thrown in. Um, but we don't trust ourselves with dialogue, so we sent it to a screenwriter, who, was, who uh, Mark Hillis, who turned it into a screenplay, and then and then made it from the Left films. Um, Helen Grace gave us the budget, and we got on with it. But it's weird watching it now, because it's kind of in... It's not in... Everything's in 2K now, and, and much stiller, so I, I like the stillness of camera work. Like Bait, everything's anchored down, and it's considered moves, and we we got a slider, we've got a steady cam, we got all this, that, and the other. And I think that was from Bait, because we just had these things called fig rigs, That were just um, like handheld and everything's juddering. I love the film, I love the story, but I I always think, I wish that camera would just stay still, you know? So we did for Babe. Once we got the proper budget, we kept everything more considered.
1: Me and my wife saw it before Dawn, and I must admit, the way it's shot makes you feel like you're in the room a lot more, and it makes you feel quite uncomfortable, which for us really sold some of it actually.
2: Yeah, I just wish it would stay still sometimes, you know, when you really consider it. So, I mean, I watch films now, it doesn't really bother me. It just bothers me with my own film, I think, because I, I'm I'm much more confident with shot lists and developments now. I've got, uh, yeah, I just studied that a lot more. And uh, so even like some of the good shots and like swinging between rooms and corridors, I, I quite like, there's a shot that I really like there, but it moves too much, you know, and it just drives me mad. I don't know, I'm just beating myself up <laughs> Well, we're all <laughs> our own worst critic, guys. Yeah. I- and so we should be, I think. Yeah, it would be rather arrogant okay. to go, yeah, that's a brilliant film. No. <laughs>
1: well, oh, I right. nailed it straight out. Of that <laughs> <laughs> so do your
0: uh, tastes and Joanne's on horror then, do they fairly much coalesce or, or is there a kind of creative butting of heads? How, how, how does that kind of work? I think Joel
2: really likes the more creepy, jumpy type stuff, uh, which I really like. The, the, the last, uh, the Annabelle, was it Annabelle creation? And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, things like that, that usually like the glossier side of horror, I don't really like, but I quite like that. But she really likes an atmosphere, she likes character building and all that. But I really, you know, I mean, I really, really like gore. you know, I do. I just, I'm not too fussed about characterization as long as everybody's been slayed in an interesting way, you know. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly, like, you're probably the same, I don't know. And I think most horror people are like this. Like, I'll go to work, and if some somebody passes me a phone and says, Look at this fight here. To see somebody hurt in real life or to see some real gore and that, I can't look at it and it makes me yeah. sick. Yeah, And I really, really feel empathy for the person that's being hit. And I always think, oh, my God, you know, that that's on film now and people are passing it around as a laugh. But yeah. but then on, on the opposite side, like the gory of the effects, I always think, how did they do that? That's brilliant. Rewind that, you know. So it's that juxtaposition of, of real and, and fantasy, really, that I can deal with very happily. I can watch gore all day, you know and a good story
1: yeah yeah. i'm just saying because quite a lot of my in-laws they say oh why do you watch all these weird movies and stuff but they they watch stuff that i would find like utterly horrible to see sort of like um to like kind of like not like necessarily true crime itself but like documentaries or stuff about like missing children and stuff
2: yeah 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 (laughs) i've watched that because people have you seen that documentary on netflix about this and about this crime and about this and you think that's horrific there was one on is it called there was one about somebody's wife got murdered at the bottom of the stairs and it was in, like, five <laughs> parts. And you think, and you mentioned that? Oh, it was it called something like... I mean, did they call it crime porn or something like that now? And there must be a word for it, mustn't there? There yeah, um, must be, yeah. Because yeah. it is appalling. You think, why are you watching that? You know, true detective stuff. And that it's like, no, yeah. no, not at all. I quite like the jinx, or, like, if somebody goes missing and you're trying to work oh. out what they are, or uh, Tiger King and things like that I really love. But anything to do with that, like you said, you know, missing people that have been murdered and things like that, yeah, that people it's just, talk about the work. It's yeah.
1: too much, really. Yeah. <laughs> <It> is,
2: yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess
0: uh, thinking again then of, uh, you know, Mitchell Brunt productions, what, what kind of things then do you, how, how does a normal film from the production company, how does that kind of get, get from seed to screen? Does it all start with you and Joanne and kind of an idea, or do you actually look at scripts from elsewhere, or, or how, how do kind of projects coalesce within that?
2: it's usually our own we do get sent some things and that but yeah you you, I think you need that passion to drive everything through and if you get somebody else's script well first of all with, with other people's scripts it's very strange because then you can't say I don't like it because nobody right. wants to hear that oh, you know and then so and you don't like anybody else's script as much as your own because you've got that passion to think well I invented that and I did that you know so so we do use our own stuff but we've got we've got tons of it and there's so much stuff that just gets ignored or gets knocked back that you just kind of get used to it. And the good ones rise to the top, but the good ones are not necessarily the ones that you think are the best ones. It's whoever is giving you the money thinks is the most commercially viable, you know, which is another thing. So, so yeah, we've done that. We've just got things thrown around everywhere, really, you know, and we've still got things in limbo as well. We've got the rights to um, a Jeff Lemire comic called Lost Dogs. And that's been sat there for two years trying to be made, you know. and Whether it ever will, I think we'll lose the rights quite soon as well. And you're like, I can that took so much effort. It took us about a year to get the rights from these American lawyers and draw up the contracts. And then it, it sat there, you know. So I think that's weird as well, because you kind of think, well, HBO yep. are making all these other stuff. And why can't we get this made? It's just, it's just odd. And you, you, there's no rule to it, you know, there really isn't. Or a little short will fly. Somebody else, I'll pay for that. And I'll just go for that. So yeah it's hard it's just unquantifiable really and so it
0: kind of sounds like in some senses then you know funding i guess and maybe this is a no-brainer but is one of if not the most important then one of the most important aspects to getting anything off the ground
2: um yeah i'm slowly learning that actually because the next one that we're doing in september and february the reason why we're doing september february is because there's two different timelines so the the main protagonist as a child we're doing all that stuff in september and then when they're older we do that in february but That has become this thing that we've got a very well-known producer on board, which has then brought in a couple of very interesting, good, well-known indie faces, which then we know that by the time we get to February to cast the two main protagonists then, we've got names and faces attached already so there's already people knocking on the door saying well do you need anybody else and, and usually like the agents like the big agents like Troika and that they, you, you can ring them and they'll say well what's the budget and what you're doing and, oh it's a horror All oh, right, okay well we'll see and you never hear from them again you have to knock on their door whereas all of a sudden if you get all your ducks in a row, they're, they're ringing you saying would you consider this person for this and you're like oh this is different you know so yeah, um, yeah slow a, a hard lesson learned actually yeah get your cast right I think yeah that's exciting. Oh, I'm looking forward
0: to that already, just on the, on the little that you've given yeah, us there, point. yeah. <laughs> Great! I guess one of the questions that I'd love to know a bit more about, and this is maybe a bit broad, so apologies, but you've produced shorts and movies, and you've directed as well. What kind of aspects of making, you know, your first feature production, in hindsight, were the most important in retrospect? Or, or ones that maybe perhaps you had under-anticipated
2: as being quite so key? I will never, ever, I, I don't, I, I never want to produce ever again. I'm a terrible, terrible producer, line producer, awful. And I think some of the things that made Bait very difficult were my, was my um, naivety and, and I wasn't skilled at that job and I ended up missing things and I, I, I underestimated the size of the job because there's there's legal things there's contracts there's the accounts and everything has to be done right yes, i just want to cool. direct horror films you know and of course get you know false knives going and pumps going and that you know that's what i really want to do so it caused a lot of problems and i ended up doing a lot of firefighting which meant that then now it's come to the the uh, second in the next one i've managed to get line producers who are paid to do line producing and you know so you're kind of expecting these problems and they go no no no. well anything that he's doing like that just send me an email and i'll sort it and you're like really yeah, yeah yeah well that's my job i'll just sort it and you're like oh my god why didn't i do this at the beginning why did i cause so much trouble for myself and strife and sleepless nights and thinking i'm going to jail you know because i hadn't done the contract right you know and i'm gonna lose all the rights to everything because i didn't do this correctly and yeah i would never want to produce again
0: ever that's interesting. And 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 how did you find the um, sort of post production part of say I mean you know for before dawn and then after that bait uh, did there, was there an evolution to how you approached those kind of that, that kind of element of the film
2: in the edit and, and so on and the sound production and everything on that side. Yeah, I think the sound is really really important because when, when we first did before dawn I'd edited it myself on the laptop which I've never done again as well the same thing you know it was it was all right but we always get a professional editor on the go now as well, who's kind of away from it, so you're not you're not making emotional decisions in the edit. He's doing it correctly as a professional, and I think getting the sound right is very, very important. So we've always before Dawn was saved by the sound because that was sent into a proper dub uh, and sound design and everything. So if you watch it, it's very, very scrappy. We got we got the colorist as well, so that um, gave it a uniform look all the way through. Yeah and then the sound blended it, you know, but really it's a it's a very scrappy film, very scrappily edited, um, but the story holds, and then it, it looks right now because it looks uniform and the sound's correct, but um, I can't remember, what was the question? I'm, I'm really waffling, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, not it's at great. all. I, I, I was just
0: asking kind of how, if at all, the sort of post-production side of, making these films progressed from
2: one film to the next, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think, well, I, I think most of the problems are kind of solved then. By the time you get to post-production and you've got it all in the can, I really, really like the post-production. The editor won't let me in the room for the two weeks and says, let me just bring you an assembly cut. So I was like, all right, okay. So okay. so uh so that's quite nice. And then you forget some of the edits and he goes, oh, I didn't think you'd remember that. So I've hidden that from you because I didn't think it was very good. And you're like, all oh, right, great. You know, that I quite like that. Um, and the sound is my favourite favourite department. Just building that sound design from the bottom up and getting the score correct. Um, Tom Ragsdale always does the score, and I absolutely love that side of it. The sound is my favourite thing to do with anything of it, you know. And then, uh, and then on top of that, getting the DVD, you know, delivered to you for the first time is, is I think, is why you do it because then. I'll get to 80 years old and still have these physical DVDs and go, I made that, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Not production can go away. Joel's very, very, very good at production, and, and she, I'll leave her to it, but I am not, yeah. Fascinating stuff, thank you.
1: In terms of the scripts, particularly for Bait and for Before Dawn, was it all scripted or was there a fair bit of room for the cast and stuff to sort of, like, talk a bit more naturally on set? Because both of those films, they have some really, really good dialogue, and it feels very natural and comes off really nicely.
2: Yeah, well, um, Paul Roundell, who wrote Bait, is a genius at dialogue. I don't trust myself for dialogue, but by the time you get to the camera plans, I've always said to everybody, look, if you if anything you want to change, you've got to run it past me two weeks before because I've got edit points, I've got my camera moves, and I'm quite a stickler like that. And I think that's where I can be really, really strict. So even with um, Jonathan Slinger, who played Jeremy in Bates, I'd been at the RSC for 10 years playing Hamlet oh, and Macbeth yeah. and all this, you know, so well I'd known him years and years before so when we agreed to do it I just said look I know you're used to moving on your own and rehearsing for a long time so I just said as long as you know you know how you're going to say it and where you're going to sorry and the character please 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 just leave it in my hands where you move and and how you move and where you're going to and all this because I promise you I'll make it look all right but I've put a lot of effort into these camera plans and the development of the shots and the framing so he was like all right, all right i appreciate that No, i'll do that you know so so and I've, I've kind of said that to everybody really that i i know how it wants to look and i'm not just doing a wide shot and then a two shot and then a mid shot and then a cross shoot and a close-up of the eyes i'm just not interested in that so um i think that's one of the things that metrodome said that there's only like two close-ups in the whole film and it was like well yeah but well, you know that's how i do it you know yeah. <laughs> i'm more interested in having it for the widescreen and where people move and you know getting into the psychology of it that way and, and, and body language i don't think i think you miss 50 percent of the body language when you just keep close up to the face you yeah. know and just do slow pushings on the face with building music i'm not really interested in that you know i'm interested in the whole body and how people react and distances and yeah. things like that you know i like the psychology of the body
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think that really works, Picking that scene when you've got like Jeremy sitting in his, in his like, family home after, after you know mm. what he is mm. and he's and you and he can see his wife moving around him with the dress, getting more of his body in the shot really nails that moment.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's what I quite like anyway, you know. So as long as I've got charge of that and then they can have charge of their characters yeah. and, and you know things like that because it, they're kind of well drawn and everybody, everybody's got um like a biography for each character. So they're not yeah. going to stray too far off it, but you've got to trust actors. You've got to, you can't give them line readings. They, as long as they are good actors. I mean, I've worked with actors that go, what do you want me to do? And you're like, are you kidding? You've yeah. had this script for so long and I trust you to be the actor, but then working with people like on Attack of the Adult Babies and um, Sally Dexter, who played the main matriarch, every single take she had like 15 different a- ideas and you're like that's what it should be that's what an actor is doing that's your job that's why you've been given the job so you can create and, and collaborate and throw ideas at people and do that you know rather than saying well I don't know what do you want me to do it's, it's ridiculous then why are you acting then you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's obviously some specific examples I am keeping keep yeah. in my yeah. pocket <laughs> but yeah
1: <laughs> shot spied by Dominic Brunner <laughs> 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 um,
0: you've got an extensive television career. To what degree do you consider there to be any kind of a market, particularly in the UK, I suppose, for for sort of longer form horror television? Like, have you even had a project that you've thought of that might actually work better as a longer form piece than, than a single movie? I just
2: quite like that short form, 80, 90 minute storytelling thing. For me, you know, but I'll watch, I'll watch series, you know. But not for me, no, I, I I really... And I like the fact that everyone can get slain at the end and there is a definite ending. I don't think I'll ever make a sequel. I just like a beginning, a middle and an end because um, I was involved in something a while back and they went, oh, no, 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 you need to keep that character because um, you could make a sequel. And I was thinking, no, they, they, that's morally corrupt. They, they deserve to die, you know, <laughs> you can't just because... I think that's the whole thing with like Friday the 13th, as brilliant as it is, you know, morally it's completely like... You know, there has got to be consequences to his actions. He's an awful person and deserves to die, but no, 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 because we could make money off this person. He has to he keep getting up, you know. so Not that I watch them films in that, you know. What, what does he do? I just, um, you know, I don't watch them like that. I enjoy all the, the slashering and that. But yeah, I'm sorry, I'm tying myself up in knots here. Trying to no, slashering. that's a very good point. Yeah, because <laughs> things like Ozark and that, you know, I, I absolutely love Ozark. I, I really love it, but sometimes they'll bring a character in just to, for the sake of having a character to spin it out for six more episodes. And you think... I don't know if that was in your original plan, you know, and, and things like Lost. Well, it was lost. very clear after three series that I absolutely love that you think, oh, you're trying to spin this out to seven series and now you don't know what you're doing, you know. And, whereas films, I trust to go, no, you've got the money for this and you've got the backing for this and you've got the distribution and the sales agent because this is a good story that starts and, and gets into the second act and then ends, you know, so, yeah.
1: I mean, I think you're definitely right. I think horror on TV works best if it's like one mini series and as such. Just mm. over years, I think, yeah, you you will lose some of the structure and and the sense of it.
2: Yeah, but when there's, I think, I, I just think when there's money and staff involved, they they go, well, this has been a resounding success. We have to keep going. Well, I think in last
0: case specifically, the head writer had to negotiate with the studio to be able to end the series. He was trying to end it from the third season, I believe. Oh, uh, right. right. And he was contractually unable to do so, basically. Yeah, that's and, the same. and basically, could walk and then let somebody else write the yeah. remainder. Um, yeah. So yeah, a bit um, of a cluster. I
1: mean, thing. that all said, I still cried myself pretty much inside out to the, to the, to the end of the episode. <laughs> it really got, <laughs> yeah. to really got me.
2: It's yeah. just that you just kind of thought, right, this is better to have a really super twist ending. Yeah. This this better tie everything up, and it kind of tied some of it up, and then yeah. just quickly put the credits on. You know, it was just <laughs> it, I thought it was deeply unsatisfying.
1: Oh yeah, in terms of story, but that whole bit in the church and the afterlife. Well, yeah. oh, I'm a sucker for that. Really got me, yeah. Cut me like I was like a small child.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you know what? Actually, just a really quick thing. I also cried quite a lot at the end of Before Dawn as well. That, the, that, that the phone idea, call, Jesus, yeah, really got me. Sorry, I just wanted to put that out there.
2: Oh, no. so, well, Tony said about that and said you should do a sequel to Before Dawn, you know. And it's like, well, what are they going to do? Live together and start cook together and speak to each other like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everyone dies or they're a zombie that yeah. cannot be a sequel.
1: Yeah, and also as well, I think with like, zombie films, they, it's almost the whole genre is its own sort of sequel, prequels, everything else. They can all exist yeah. very much in the same world, most of them, or at least a lot of them. See, so, yeah, I don't think you need to follow the same characters again and again.
2: Oh. yeah yeah I'm, I'm, i am worried about Chain to busan as well because that was such a great film such a great ending and i always think i've seen the trailer going oh the army's in right you know how many good characters are they're usually represented in films that are soldiers you know apart yeah. from running around shooting and shouting so uh within the horror genre so yeah i hope it's brilliant but i'm like
1: yes yeah, slightly cautious about it
2: yeah <laughs>
0: So one of, one of the big things I think that's come up in the COVID era, if you like, I don't know what we're going to call it retrospectively, but it'll be something like the COVID yeah. era or yeah. something. Is video on demand obviously because, as you said at the outset, you know a lot of you know obviously releases in cinemas stopped production pretty much shut down everywhere, and then any films that were in the can are, have either been shelved or have come out on video on demand. Does video on demand in any way kind of? register with you as a potential different avenue for the way to release movies do you see it as an interesting evolution or or is it just you know is it
2: more of a sort of side consideration i think it's i just think it's inevitable i think it's absolutely inevitable i try and buy physical wherever i can and usually blu-rays now just because i like the making of and the uh, commentaries so i usually watch a film two or three times but you just you can't. It doesn't matter what your opinion of it is. It's 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 coming at you, you know. Because if you don't get a cinema release, you're going to be digital. Because I think physical is is dying out. You know, that every laptop you get now has not got a drive on it. You know, it's uh, it's it's reliant on your PS4s, but I don't think the PS5 is going to have a drive in it either, is it? You know, so it, the the march of time is is definitely taking away the physical side of it. It'll either be big films at the cinema or digital. I think that's that's the way it is.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I suppose I, I was thinking of it like, does it does it inform your approach in any way yeah, to, to future projects in, in the sense that, I guess, in some cases, maybe uh, I am an amateur and don't know. So I'm, rely- I'm relying on you to tell me, but, you know, distribution conversations might be different, perhaps different funding avenues might become more apparent does it in any way inform your thinking or are you just like no you know it's about the it's about the project and then that element is sort of a sort of post discussion
2: i think it's more a question for a, a sales agent that because i know like with amp talking to james norrie i know he said that it's becoming more and more and more difficult but then it's a double edged sword so you're trying to get into countries that are still DVD, blue ray led, and there's still a kind of bleed over to digital, which hasn't really taken off. But yet at the same time, the more successful digital is, the more you can kind of storm into an, into any territory and say, well, all right, we'll put this on. If we can't get distribution that way, or Netflix doesn't want it, or Shudder doesn't want it, then we have got Amazon Prime. But then even then Amazon Prime, it's got to have like a million minutes of a viewing to get, 10 quid or something ridiculous i mean that might not be right so please disregard that but it's um i think it'll be two or three years time before it all levels out but i think i'm paraphrasing all that i i don't know really what the deal is with that yeah that's um, interesting
0: It's well, interesting so it sounds like it works the same way as spotify really so it's like 0.0000 you know recurring and
2: then one pence yeah. per listen so netflix, pay well. <laughs> netflix are very good you know but you're not guaranteed to get into netflix because somebody was saying yeah everybody just wants content now and you're like no but they want good content they want a certain quality and quantity we didn't get onto netflix with uh, attack of the adult babies and should have turned us down as well um, but um, Nucleus took it on as well. And then it's on, I think that's on Amazon Prime now as well. But then Bait was there for years and years on Netflix. It was great. But um, but then, you know, the model, even as a filmmaker, it's very... The problem is you're at the bottom of the pyramid. So you've got the uh, the investor who wants his money back first. But then you've got the sales agent that want their investment back. And then below that, you've got the distributor who are selling it and they want their money back, you know, so the trickle down is going to be years and years and years. So the way we've done it is always try to build it into the budget that you pay yourself a wage out the budget, you know, and it can't be massive because the investor doesn't, you know, he's trying to invest in the film. He doesn't want to be giving you the money. So monetarily, it's never been fantastic. It's not enough to live on anyway. You know, I don't think Um, we've, we've made very, very little over the time. It really is just for the passion of making films really, but we've seen distributors and, sales agents making money from the films that we've done you know before dawn and uh bait were re-released last year you know but we still haven't we we have been paid some money from um from 101 who are very very good and very open and great with their accounts and they'll just say yeah audit send it in we'll we'll show you all the facts and figures but you know i know some horror stories um from but i can't really name names can you because if it's not true yeah but i know friends of ours that have uh Sold at the height of DVDs through a very well-known company, sold like two hundred thousand copies of a film and didn't make a penny. You know, and you think, well, how can that? How can that be right? You know, but the money has to go back up the chain to the to, from the distributor to the sales agent to the investor. You know, and still it just goes poof and it's gone. You know, so that's awful. I think
0: I'm, I'm, you know, mostly out of my specific questions. I could keep asking you questions about your movies because we, we love them. I've got
1: loads of questions about those specifics because they're fantastic. <laughs> but we'd be here for
0: days. We would, and we only got 45 minutes before Fright Fest kicks off again for today. And it would yes. be remiss of us to risk missing that. So, um, on your behalf. Yeah, well,
2: you, what, what, well, you got, see, that's the weird thing about not being at Fright Fest for, um, physically because you can't, you know, like sometimes... There's a buzz about certain films, or yeah. somebody will say, "Oh, you seen that one? That was great." And so you try yeah, and catch yeah. the repeat of it, or the one later on, and that, and the, and there's a build-up. And, and but I've no idea what I've, I've not because I've read some of the things that say th- these are the pick from Fright Fest. But you go, how do you know? You've mm. not seen mm. them yet. You, you're just, you know, you're just saying this one might be all right from the trailer or the review, you know. So I've no idea what to watch. So I'm just, I'm going for the Arrow Screen stuff. Mainly, Good. and then I'm trying to pick off those. So I'm looking forward to the columnist. Yeah, yes. so if you've yeah. got any tips that you've heard that people have actually seen, it, tell us.
1: Michael was saying, um, a Michael was also here for Fight Fast. and um, you can't
2: yeah. see him, he's out of
1: shot <laughs> and being silent. He with the
2: dog, yeah, he's doing yeah, he's very well. Managing the dog, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a lot, lot of animals Nothing <laughs> around here. That gets <laughs> you, you
1: like Dr. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Yeah. um, yeah, yeah, you mentioned Hall,
2: yeah, Hall
0: Tomorrow has got like a lot of buzz across the Atlantic, and then uh, a film called The Swerve, which I don't
2: know much about, but that's that's the big pick that BFI have picked out as their um, oh, yeah, so what was tomorrow? I've just got my thing up, it's oh, Hall, Hall. and what was the other one? Did you say Swerve?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah the swerve. swerve
2: and swerves on Monday. Oh, great! Right, right. I'm gonna have a day. I mean, I hope well. they're good
1: films now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you really put
0: yourself
2: there, out there.
0: You yeah. can you can blame our, our friend Michael yeah. if they're if they're not good. But we'll be watching those as well. So yeah. uh, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. Have you
2: seen anything good? I, 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 we saw one last night that I quite liked. Um, that was oh, what was the one? Twelve-hour shift is no. what we watched last night. Twelve, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. The one in the hospital. Fantastic. I really like. I yeah, really, really. Um, I, thought, yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I know Yazid that made Sky Sharks that produced it. And yeah. uh, there was a lot of buzz about Sky Shout, so you know, we paid the extra fire and sat there and uh, yeah. and then followed the Twitter comments afterwards. So. Yeah. Am I right? You're in that, aren't you? Oh, only like it, I get my head bitten off with the thing. It was like that's three seconds cool. or yeah, yeah. It was a favourite yeah. to Yazid as well. You know, oh, so, nice. yeah. no, that's, that's pretty cool. No,
1: unfortunately, we haven't seen Sky so I had to go and get, get Michael. Sorry. Uh, which... I'm not saying anything
2: about it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. No, I'm definitely, definitely.
0: I, I can't wait to see that. Something I'd love to know then, and you mentioned um, that you're working on a, another project coming up, I guess, in Q4, Q1 next year. Is yeah. uh, is that Soulless or is that something else? I noticed there's no. a,
2: wor- a working Ooh. project. Well, Soulless was linked to Incantation. So the chap that left, the Ted Field lot that did that, once it had all collapsed, he left and he's, he's running something else and he made something called Imprisoned. So I think he's got links in Puerto Rico and he still wants to make this film. So it keeps cropping its head up, and I think he's put it on IMDb as well. But I just keep saying, "Look, if you get the budget, then give me a ring." But I can't go through that heartache again. I'm certainly not taking any more time off work on the say-so of a film ever again, unless the budget is shown me on a piece of paper, you know. But but even like with with Incantation, they said, "Well, what can go wrong?" Ted Field's worth 1.2 billion pounds. It's not going to collapse, is it? And then you go, "Oh, it's collapsed." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It couldn't possibly happen, could
1: it?
0: That's, <laughs> no, no, that's the phrase yeah, yeah. you never want to hear. Dave
1: was too big to fail. You're too big to fail,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and, so, and so the film you are working on then, when, when, when do yeah. you expect that to, when do you anticipate
2: that will be um, getting a release? Is that sort of a year away? Well, well uh, it's it'll be finished by March. We'll certainly finish filming by the second week of March and then we are just got to put it into post-production then and hopefully ready for the festival season which kind of starts earlier every year, doesn't it? But kind of August, October, August, 3rd, October, November is like, the festival season so yeah but I'm really 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 looking into that there's some great monster effects and there's a, it's all kind of like set on by the sea and there's underwater stuff as well and boats and three different timelines it goes from like 1800s through to modern time and it's oh, I, can't, I can't wait to do it it's a really really great story yeah. that yeah. does sound fantastic
1: yeah. would you be happy to come back on when it comes out and have a bit of a chat about That's it possible
2: anytime yeah. Yeah. Amazing. yeah it's an honour to be here now I love it thank you so oh, much for asking oh, thank you so thank much
0: thank you no not at all i mean it, as i say we're so delighted to have to just have the option to chat to you uh, yeah. dom it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. we, as you know well, as we kind, yeah. we both said we we love your movies we love everything you do and we just keep hope that you and joanne and you know mitchell Brun productions just keeps going from strength to strength yeah. so thank you thanks again for taking the time and i think we're good and we can yeah. we can start prepping for Horror Christmas.
2: Yeah. Yes. I'm going to get some popcorn and I'm going to go and watch The Columnist and see if that's any good as well. Yeah. Same here. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time, chaps. Thank yeah, you.
1: yeah. Welcome back.
0: Hope you enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it?
0: Sir Dominic Front. Yep. In Le Mans Pub Studios, albeit digitally very exciting it was super duper stuff again thank you dominic really kind of you to give us your time and everybody else go and buy and pay for yeah. those movies
1: they're uh, worth it you'll be happy they're great
0: it. you'll really enjoy them and you won't regret yeah. it a couple of things i was actually going to say about that beforehand and then forgot was mm-hmm.
1: i think you can hear
0: my dog's claws clicking around on the floor i neglected to close the door stupidly to the studio when we started and my dog was in and so sort of periodically normally when we were asking yeah. a question and actually i think specifically off more often when you were speaking weirdly yeah. <laughs> he would just decide to arbitrarily get up and, and walk around and so if you hear that noise that's what that is
1: i put that on michael because he was here as the official dog <laughs> wrangler yeah. and um so not only did he recommend a poor movie he also fell in his duties to the dog
0: oh he was doing his <laughs> best there was a cat as well um, to be fair,
1: he didn't drive down for that purpose. The other thing it was thrust upon him.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was thrust upon him. The other thing I was <laughs> gonna say is Dominic mentions the staircase. Yes. And I couldn't remember what it was called. He actually says some guy's <laughs> wife dies at the bottom of the stairs. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I can't I can't remember what that is. I thought you'd it's be alone. Be yeah, because you're like, oh, you watched that. And I'm yeah. like, I did watch that. What is that yeah. called? So not only did I forget what the fuck it was <laughs> called. But on top of that, I was shamed because yeah. you guys were like, "Yeah, Sicker was watching that shit," and I'm going, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I, I did watch that and quite. I mean, I quite enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I in think... a weird way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, he's innocent. The guy's innocent. That's my take <laughs> on it. I know that's controversial. Yeah, some people think he's not, but I don't know.
1: I, I mean, I think I watched the first episode. The thing is about it. it
0: well. He, this is the problem, and I, this is why I, I think I sort of gravitate towards his innocence mm-hmm. is that he's a weirdo. He is, he and I'm a weirdo. Him. And the people, people go, "Ah, oh, he's weird. Mm. He must have killed his wife." End of story. Yeah, and and that's it. You can see it if you watch it now, having heard that, if you haven't seen it before and you watch it, you will see that kind of. You can almost read it on everyone's faces. Mm. Anyway, if the evidence <laughs> said different, obviously I would change of my <laughs> attitude entirely.
1: Yeah. I do quite enjoy Dominic's sort of point, though, that like. And I'm sure again, horror fans will find this um, time and time again that people do look upon our taste as being sort of off key or slightly odd or or the sign of a kind of flaw within us. Yeah. So, what makes you want to watch that stuff? Yet at the same time, the same kind of society which does that has utterly embraced the absolute morbid and the depraved in other areas. Yeah. And I think to that point, I think it's quite a solid point that the same criteria has not been applied to all of culture. I totally agree. There, there's to a
0: weird to... thing about quote unquote true crime. Yes. You can put the most horrific shit mm. under that moniker yeah. and people are like, yeah, that's no, just true crime. Yeah, we yeah, all like fine. a bit of true yeah, yeah. crime. It's fine. Yeah, right, But as soon as, soon as somebody gets their head knocked off in a horror movie, they're like, oh, what kind how could of you fucking watch fucker? that? Yeah. You sick fuckers, what's wrong yeah. with you? It's like, you the fucking perverts yeah. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but nonetheless we're getting off topic. the topic the point was I, strad, I straddled both right because then yeah. you make a fucking point about the Madeline McCann documentary which I watched
1: <laughs> which my wife also watched so it's her.
0: like I I'm was I'm kind of stuck in the middle going um yeah
1: I I, I apologize for that
0: but I should have jumped on with him and agreed that Lost because Lost I was not a fan of I know you were but like I was sitting there <laughs> listening to it in the edit going yeah I would have doubled down on that but there you go
1: <laughs> I mean I mean, basically I think you're saying I won <laughs>
0: listeners you know the deal write in score us you know how that's how it works we get a score every episode us against each <laughs> yeah. other see
1: who comes out top yeah i mean yes dave speaks clearer and is more it is more eloquent but also he likes the whole madeline mccann stuff
0: so. <laughs> yeah so i must be fucking guilty of it's killing somebody yeah. yeah but yeah that was that was yeah the staircase i totally forgotten about that i thought
1: that was absolutely fascinating
0: I genuinely enjoyed. Good. That. Well, I'm pleased. Yeah. I'm pleased. Yeah. 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 I also enjoyed it, um, listeners. I hope. I hope you also enjoyed it too. Yeah. What we haven't touched upon is, you know, we, we've got a whole everyday on market now. We have. You all know, of we them. could every single viewer <laughs> on board now. They're on board. So you know, welcome. We're not everyone's cup of tea. I'll be yeah. honest. In fact, we're probably we should really run the maths on this, but yeah. we, I reckon we're probably five percent of really people's cup wish. of tea.
1: I and Sir Dominic Brunt is an absolute legend.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good summary. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Yeah. Do write in, give us your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, next episode will be, obviously, we'll be doing feedback on the episode before this one.
1: I'll be making a new picture.
0: And John will be delivering his Robocop 5 or
1: no, whatever no, it was. No, Robocop 5's dead. Um, Sandra Sue and the... I was going to say the Butchers 2, mm. which is just better. Sorry, J-Dubs and the boffin's two is also now is now, now dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's now so a dead is now dead. So be a project. whole fresh one. Whole fresh one. So look forward to that. But yeah, you can visit our website let's make email us at let's make a horror at gmail.com. tweet us at lmahmpod or visit us on Instagram or just clap really loudly for a bit of fun. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a good old clap. It's been a while, eh? It's been a while. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, let's make a horror movie interview everyone
1: bye <laughs> <laughs> sorry